0: let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. At 4 a.m. on August 9th, 2011, David and Kathy Biker were awakened abruptly by men shouting in their bedroom. When they opened their eyes, they saw two men dressed in black standing over their bed with knives. Before they could do anything else, the men had grabbed Kathy and dragged her out of the bed. They began to wrap duct tape around her feet. She tried to struggle to escape, but they had knives and there was nothing she could do. They bound her feet, they bound her hands, they bound her mouth, and then they bound her eyes. They dragged Kathy out of the house and threw her in the back seat of her car and drove off into the night. Kathy Biker was totally helpless and totally terrified. There she was, bound and gagged, driving off into the darkness with two men who had knives. There was absolutely nothing she could do she could do to save herself. But in the midst of this nightmare, Kathy remembered to call upon God. And in that instant, everything changed. You see, even though Kathy was bound and gagged, when she called on God, she set in motion the supernatural power that would eventually set her free. The Lord began to move on Kathy. She started speaking in tongues. Even though there was duct tape over her mouth, her tongue was not bound. She was praying in tongues. And the more she prayed, the more scriptures began to come to her memory. The more scriptures came to her and the more she prayed, the greater peace filled her. She surrendered to the Holy Spirit and a supernatural confidence uh, washed over her being. The situation had not changed, but Kathy Biker had changed she knew then that God was greater than fear and suddenly the driver stopped the car he got out and opened the back door and dragged Kathy out he took her over to a nearby utility pole and wrapped the duct tape around her over and over again tying her to the pole don't move or I'll come back and kill you he said and then the man disappeared Kathy Biker waited for a few minutes till the man was out of view, and then she began to wiggle and squirm. To her amazement, the duct tape broke. It was a miracle, Kathy says. It was strong solution tape, and it had been wrapped around me a couple of times. But the duct tape that was holding me to the pole ripped as I just put a little pressure on it. Kathy ran to the road and ran to a nearby house. The police were summoned and they rescued her. They took her back and she was reunited with her husband David. There was not one single scratch on Kathy Biker's body. Eventually, her tormentors were captured and sentenced to prison. Without any strength to fight, without any hope of rescue, Kathy found deliverance in nothing but the power of God and in her true story we can all find strength today for no matter how weak you are no matter how desperate your situation there is a name that is above every name there is a name of a king of kings and a lord of lords there is the name of the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the creator of the universe at that name every knee must bow at that name every tongue must confess at that name demons tremble and flee at that name sicknesses are healed at that name sin is washed away. At that name, people are delivered and restored and revived. It's the name of Jesus. It makes the weak strong and the weary become revived. And when you connect to that name, the name above every name, then you will find life flowing into you. You will be delivered from every bondage externally and internally. You will be restored and revived. The same deliverance that came to Kathy Biker will come to you today when you put Your trust in the Lord. That's the message Kathy would give you herself. Listen to her words. There are a lot of people who are going through things spiritually that I went through physically. They're bound up. They're being held hostage. The devil does that, but God is there to rescue us all. I can testify, Kathy says, that he's there at the hardest times we can imagine. He's not just there for me. He's there for everyone. That's Kathy's message to you today, and that's my message to you. In our darkest hour, when all hope seems gone, when we're weak and helpless, God's power and strength is available to us to save us and deliver us. We don't have the strength in ourselves to break free, but God has the strength we need. He shares that strength with us when we turn and connect to him. You may be bound, You may be under attack. You may be trapped by sin or trapped by a problem or a burden, and you're helpless and afraid. You may be far from God. You may be backslidden today, but his power is here to help you. His name is here to revive you, restore you, replenish you, and resurrect you and everything about you. Jesus is here to revive us. Do you need God's touch today? Then join your faith as I pray that the word of God will come and bring you Revival, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come in the name that is above every other name. We come in the name of Jesus, the matchless name at which every knee must bow and every tongue must confess. We call upon you today. We confess we are weak and helpless in our own strength. We do not have what it takes to be saved and delivered, but we come to you. We submit to you, I bind every voice of the devil that would come to steal the seed of the word out of our heart. Every voice that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us, I command you to be silent, and I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to bring us light and love and revival fire. We thank you by faith in Jesus name and everybody said amen. I want to challenge you today to join your faith with mine. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me, say Lord Jesus, speak to my heart change my life manifest your glory in me in jesus name amen and amen welcome to agape house new testament church it's great to have you here because god is moving and there's revival fire burning in our hearts and lives if you believe it say revival You see, we're here for one reason and one reason alone. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus. We're here to exalt the only one who matters, the only one who can save us and deliver us. And any time that God's people reorder their priorities and turn to focus on Jesus, he comes with delivering power to revive and renew and restore us. That's why I know God is moving in our midst. If you believe it, say amen. And that's what we learned last week when we launched this sermon series called If My People. We discovered that when we pursue kingdom priorities and we possess God's kingdom perspective, then we will partake of God's kingdom's prize. Everything we need spiritually and physically will be ours when we put Jesus first. And when we do that, we will get everything we need. So let's take the message deeper today. As we reorder our priorities, we need to move down the road to revival by taking practical steps that put God's truth into our everyday lives. And to help us learn the truth for today, we printed our world-famous sermon notes. They're available for you free in your bulletin. You can get these online at our website and our social media pages. Go ahead and take out your notes right now and follow along as we discover three practical steps to revival. And there at the top of our notes is our scripture text. It's a famous verse from the Old Testament found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. To give you a little background, God spoke these words to his people at a time when they were backslidden. There was darkness and desperation in the land, and God called them and gave them practical steps to follow on the path to revival. And that's what he's giving us today. So to ask, In faith. Let's read his word out loud together. Are you ready? Buckle your belt, tie your wrapper. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and restore their land. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts today, in Jesus' name, and everybody say. Amen. This is a famous verse. You might have heard it before. But in it, we need to understand that God is giving us three very clear and practical steps for anyone, anywhere, in any time to experience revival and blessing. So let's take a few minutes and break this verse down and discover three practical steps to revival. And here's your first step today. Identify with God. Everybody say, identify with God. Listen to how the verse begins. It's a very interesting opening. It says, if my people, somebody say my people, who are called by my name, somebody say my name, So the emphasis from God in the beginning of our journey on the road to revival is that God is setting out a critical foundation. God is telling us the foundation for revival must come from our identity in Christ. First of all, we are his people. That means we belong to him. Everything I have and everything I am belongs to Jesus. He's the master and possessor of my life. And when you are God's person, when you belong to God and you are his people, then it leads to the next of connection, which is we are called by his name. You see, anytime you're called by someone's name, it means you're connected. If you share the same last family name, you're connected by family. It's common when we're naming children that we like to connect our children to people. My third daughter, Pastor Sheila, was named after my mother. There's a connection there. Our friends in Nigeria from the Yoruba tribe have a name for boys called Babatunde. It means, the Father has come again. Did you know that people will name them after a family member sometimes because they look like that person or they want to honor that person or tap into that person? Recently, Our pastor in Freetown, Sierra Leone, Pastor Jeshurun Rogers, his wife delivered a baby boy. He wrote me and said, can I name him after you? And last Saturday, they named him Richard. Hallelujah. God bless him in Jesus' name. So people will want to connect someone through using their name. Sometimes parents name people after someone famous or prestigious. Did you know we have a pastor in our church who's named after a U.S. president? Hey! The dad wanted to connect with the power of that name. Pastor Bright Wilson Doe was named after President Woodrow Wilson from the USA. Give the Lord a round of applause. Amen. So when God says, when my people who are called by my name. He's talking about an intimate connection. He's going beyond just someone who believes in him, someone who just talks about him. He's talking about people who are identified with his character, his nature, his behavior, and everything about him. He's identifying his people as those who look like him. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Revival begins when we find our identity in the love of God, not in the people or circumstances that surround us. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation. I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you whether you're male or female, rich or poor, old or young, black or white. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's own special people so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. God is calling us to identify with him, to be like him, to be special to him, because our connection to God is everything. Our faith is tied up with him. Our life is tied up with him. Acts seventeen twenty eight says, in him we live and move and exist. And so without that connection to God, you have no life. You have no spiritual life. You have no eternal life. Our connection is essential. And the closer we get to God, the more we'll be filled with his life. But when your connection to God begins to shake and your connection to God begins to get weak and you pull away from God, you need revival. For whenever you start to withdraw from the presence of God and your connection to him, you lose your identity and things fall apart. That's the lesson we can learn from the tragic but true story of what happened at the Hyatt Hotel in Kansas City, USA. On a Friday evening of July 17, 1981, thousands of people gathered at the Hyatt Hotel in Kansas City for a dance competition. It was mostly young people. They were there to listen to the loud music and to show off their moves and watch other people move. Hallelujah. The place was packed. The Hyatt Hotel was known for having a huge multi-story atrium. The dance competition was on the floor, but high above the dance floor, there were four suspended walkways that hung across by connections to the two walls, and thousands, hundreds of people had gathered on the those four walkways, to look down on the dance floor and watch the moves of the dance competitors. But suddenly and without warning, disaster struck. Suddenly, the top walkway began to shake and the connection of the walkway to the wall began to weaken and suddenly it pulled apart. The fourth walkway fell onto the third. The third fell onto the second. The second fell onto the first. They all fell onto the floor and 114 people died and 200 more were wounded. It is the worst structural disaster in U.S. history. In the days that followed the tragedy, government investigators tried to find out why this had happened. And what they found out was shocking. Everything, the death, the wounding, the disaster in the hotel, happened because of one simple thing. The connection on the top walkway failed. A failed connection could have damaging consequences in architecture. If a roof or a wall or a window has not got a connection, it will collapse but the same thing is true in our spiritual lives as well. When we as believers are properly connected to Jesus, his life flows through us. But when the connection is lost, it results not only in separation from God, but disaster. For when your connection to God fails, things fall apart. Whenever you stop connecting with God, you need revival. Whenever your distance from him becomes great, you need revival. Whenever your prayers are weak, whenever you stop sounding like God and acting like God and looking like God and behaving like God, We need revival, and we are desperate for revival in the church today around the world because the people of God do not look like the Jesus they claim to identify with. Oh, we've got buildings. We've got famous names. We're hot on TikTok and Facebook. We've got a lot of luxury and riches in the church, but we don't look like the Jesus we identify with. We talk about it with our mouths, but our lives deny him. And revival comes when we come back to God to unite with him so that his life comes into us. Revival means we begin to look like Jesus and act like Jesus and talk like Jesus. And everyone around us can identify us as the people who are called by his name. And when people don't see Jesus in you, we need revival. Because when people start to see Jesus in you, when they identify you with your master and your savior, it has an impact and it changes them. We will change our nation. We will change our world. We will change our generation if we get back and identify with God and become a people known by him, possessed by him, and identified with him. Once an evangelist went to the Upper East region to preach amongst remote villages. He came to one village and started telling the people about Jesus, who he is, and what he did, and how he acted. But as he was preaching, a man in the village jumped up and said, Wait a minute. We know that man. He used to live here in our village in Upper East. The evangelist was confused and said, what are you talking about? Jesus lived in Israel 2,000 years ago, and though he's alive, he's in heaven. Jesus never visited Upper East. The man said, no, Jesus was here. The man you're talking about, he was here. And others shouted, yes, yes, we knew him. Then they grabbed the evangelist by the hand and took him to their cemetery. They showed him a grave, and when the evangelist started to investigate, he discovered that that grave was where they had buried a missionary. That missionary had come to preach to the people. He was a medical missionary, and he brought healing and love and service and life. He acted so much like Jesus that when the evangelist came to talk about Jesus, they said, oh yeah, we know him. He lived here with us. So let me ask you a question. Do people think they've met Jesus when they meet you? God is calling us back to Him. Not back to a place, not back to a formula, not back to a prayer camp, not back to a prophet, not back to anything but to him. For Hebrews 12 says, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. You've come to God himself. You've come To Jesus. See, you've got to come to the person of Jesus. It's not enough to come to the place where they talk about Jesus. You've got to come to Him. It's not enough to come and worship on Sunday and sing songs. You've got to connect with Jesus. You've got to stay at the altar till His fire burns with you. And too often we come to church looking for a solution. We come looking for what we need. We seek an experience or some kind of form of spirituality that will give us goosebumps and make us shiver. But all we really need is Jesus. And revival comes when we connect with Jesus. Revival is not a meeting. Revival is not a program. Churches can bring in a guest artiste who's famous and has awards from around the world. They can bring in a powerful preacher. And the music may be inspiring. And the preacher may be eloquent. And the people may pray and shout in tongues. There's a lot of fervency. But when they get to the car park, they're pushing and shoving like the devil. Hey! That's not revival. People fell down under the power of God at the altar. They were shaking and screaming and people were speaking in tongues. They get up and there's no difference in their life. They go out and act like the devil. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. That's not revival. Revival comes when we connect with Jesus and identify with him. And God is calling us to intimacy with him where his life comes into us and we become like him. For when we connect to Jesus, his life comes and we become fruitful. When we connect with Jesus, we become fulfillment of our purpose. When we connect to Jesus, we see his hand on our lives and others can see it too. That's why Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers, is thrown away like a collapsed walkway of rubbish and concrete. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will Be granted. And I'm here to tell you today, when you begin to fellowship with God, you start to love the things he loves and hate the things he hates. It ushers you into a new level of fruitfulness. The dry, barren lifestyle of sin is broken. You produce fruit and you connect so where your prayers are answered. And that brings us to our second truth today, the step to revival is to intercede to God. Everybody say intercede to God. See, first we must identify with God. We're his people called by his name. And then that opens the door for us to intercede. The Bible goes on and says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face. So understand today God's giving us a very clear step-by-step road to revival, path to revival. You see, prayer that is effective doesn't begin with a chorus. Prayer that's effective doesn't begin by speaking in tongues. Prayer that is effective begins with humility. For the truth is, humility is a requirement to enter the presence of God. All through the Bible, God makes it clear. He honors the humble, he hears the humble, and he resists the proud. Listen to a verse that will make you shake if you truly believe it. James 4:6 God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. No matter where I go in the Bible, this is one of the main verses that makes me shake and tremble. Because if you understand what God is telling you today, you will get on your knees and humble yourself. The Bible says God opposes the proud. He resists the proud. God fights against the proud. And I don't care how beautiful you are. If you're proud, God will resist you and you will not make progress. I don't care how talented you are or how athletic you are or how educated or how wealthy. When God has his hand out, there is no man who can resist him. When God opposes you, you are finished. It's over. There's nothing you can do. And so, turn from your pride. Some of you are wondering today why things are not working out in your life. Everything you do, you seem to be hitting a brick wall. No matter how hard you try, you don't make progress forward. Could it be? That you're proud. No matter how much opportunity you have, God is resisting you. But when you humble yourself, when you come and tell God that you have nothing without him, God gives you grace. God listens to you. He gives you the strength and the power to overcome when you humble yourself. Listen to how James continues in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor and best of all not only will he give you grace not only will he lift you up but best of all the humble have a promise to enter god's presence listen to isaiah fifty-seven fifteen: the high and lofty one who lives in eternity the holy one says this to you today i live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble Turn your notes over to page two and consider that you and I, every single one of us, has access to God. A deeper access, a deeper intimacy, a deeper opportunity in prayer if we will simply humble ourselves. For when we come before God with humility, we enter his presence. When we enter his presence, we can see him. That's why our scripture text tells us, humble yourself and pray and seek his We're seeking his presence. We're not seeking answers in prayer. We're not seeking breakthroughs in prayer. We're seeking his face, his very presence. And that's good news for all of us because all through the Bible, anybody in any culture, in any generation, from any family at any time has an invitation to come. Jesus said anyone who wants to let him come, the Bible says you can all freely come. If you're not coming for pride's sake, if you're not coming for your own sake, if you're not coming for another wrong reason if you're coming to see jesus the door is open the gate is open and god is beckoning you come come and you can see the same revival you can see the same result you can have the same answers to prayer as any great man or woman of god if you simply come humble yourself and seek his face That's why the Bible says in James 5, the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. Elijah, that great prophet, was as completely human as we are. Yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, this time that it would rain. And down it poured, and the grass turned green, and the gardens began to grow again. All through history, God has used ordinary men and women to spark revival. Most revivals in history didn't come through big churches or well-known preachers. They came through people who humbled themselves and sought God's face. That's what happened in 1904 in the nation of Wales. A young man grew up named Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts was nobody in society and not likely to have much of a future. He was one of eight children. His father was a coal miner, went down into the earth and dug up coal. And Evan Roberts followed his father and became a coal miner. But Evan Roberts had something unique about him. He had a steadfast faith in God. As a young man growing up, he eschewed sin and turned away from all types of wickedness and immorality. And he started praying. The more he prayed, the closer he got to God, the closer he got to God, the more he became like Jesus. He started praying so fervently. He was known as a man of prayer. In fact, one of his landladies evicted him from her flat because he prayed so much and prayed so loud god gave evan roberts a vision of whales on fire and he wouldn't stop praying he became so passionate about god he went to his pastor and said pastor i have a burden for revival let me preach in the church and the pastor must have looked at him and said this young man has never been to seminary or cemetery or anything else This man is not a pastor. Why should I let him preach? But Evan Roberts was so insistent and persuasive. Eventually, the pastor said, okay, this is what I will do. At the midweek, 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 tell your neighbor midweek. Most of you don't even know what midweek is. You don't come. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. At the midweek, when the crowd is low, Wednesday night, after, after. Somebody say after. After the service has closed and we've shared the grace, I'll give you a chance to preach. Midweek, after the grace, people are packing their purses, packing their load and going. Now we want to see if you want to stay, let this man preach to you. Fourteen people stayed after midweek to hear Evan Roberts preached and God began revival. Within one month, 37,000 people were saved. No microphone, no horn speaker. God's fire began to move. Within five months, 100,000 people were saved. God used Evan Roberts, an untrained non-pastor, to produce a spark that brought revival to Wales, to England, and to the world. God used one simple man to change the world. And one thing I know about God, he's no respecter of persons. For Peter said in Acts 10:34, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. He's ready to do the same thing again. He's ready to bring revival to God. He's ready to bring revival to Agape House. He's ready to bring revival to your life and my life if we will seek him, if we will follow the same path that God has given to us and follow the same path others have taken, we too will experience revival even if you feel dead and dry today, even if you're backslidden today, if you will come into his presence and humble yourself and seek his face, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how broken your connection, no matter what you've done or how you feel, you are a candidate for revival. For when we prevail in prayer, we prevail everywhere. That's what we can learn from a woman named Hannah in the Old Testament. Her story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Here's the background. Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives. The first wife was Peninah. He had intercourse with Peninah and she kept producing children. She had many children but no matter how they tried Elkanah and Hannah had no children. Verse 6 and 7 says and her rival that's Peninah provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year. Somebody say year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, that Penina provoked Hannah. Therefore, Hannah wept and did not eat. Get the picture today. Hannah was barren. Her rival wife had children. Hannah was so frustrated, she was insulted. Penina was mocking her and ridiculing her and making fun of her and tormenting her. And year after year, Hannah suffered. But here's the problem. The greatest problem Hannah faced was not her barrenness. The greatest problem she faced was that she allowed it to continue year after year. Her frustration produced no fruit. She just kept being provoked. She just kept weeping. But one day, one year, Hannah said, enough is enough. One day, her frustration drove her into the presence of the Lord Almighty. She got so desperate. She was driven to God. See, when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, you'll get on your knees and call out to God. When the pain of where you're at is greater than the pain of following Jesus, you'll draw near to God. And her frustration drew her to God. Listen to verse 9. Hannah got... Up and went to pray. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed. To the Lord, and she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And God heard her prayer within one year, he gave her a son. She gave birth to a boy and named him Samuel, which means the Lord has heard. She brought him to the house of God and dedicated him. And he grew up to become a prophet, a great man who brought revival to Israel. Hannah went from barren to bearing when she let her desperation drive her to God. She went from ridicule to revival. And this is what we need today. For the truth is, we lack revival because we're content to live without it. We're okay with our church. Ah, the singing is nice. We like that guy that preaches. Yeah, it's all right. Prayer, yeah, I pray. I'm okay. I'm okay. We have no revival because we're not desperate. We're not frustrated. And sometimes, God allows us to be frustrated so our desperation will drive us to pray. For when you realize that you can do nothing without God, you'll pray, you'll humble yourself and seek God's face. When you're fed up with the way things are, when you won't take the sin, the corruption, the perversion of this generation, when you're sickened by the wickedness around you, you'll get on your knees and pray. When you're dry and dead, you'll connect to God. You'll begin to change. God often uses your frustration to produce fruitfulness. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. God incubates greatness through frustration. The more frustrating your circumstances, the more desperate your need, the more fruitful you can become when you harness your frustration to drive you to your knees. So don't get upset. Don't complain, don't moan and weep, don't give up, give in to Jesus. Humble yourself, seek him. For when you connect to God, nothing can stop your fruitfulness. When you connect to God, nothing can prevent you from producing, nothing can prevent your progress. Some of you are frustrated right now. You're frustrated financially. You're frustrated in marriage. You're frustrated in your children. You're frustrated. You're running all over the place looking for a solution. Some of us are so busy looking for answers, but we're not on our knees in prayer. If you will look to Jesus and abide with him and remain with him, you produce fruit. Your season of frustration can become a season of fruitfulness when you turn to seek. His face. See, prayer is not so much about changing God. It's about changing us. You think you can change God in prayer? You can't even change your husband. You think your words will convince God to do something? You can't even convince your wife. It's not about changing God. It's about changing us. It's when our hearts become aligned with him, then we ask whatever we want, and it's done. Listen to Jesus as he continues in chapter 15, verse 10 of John. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Identify with him. Intercede to him. That brings us to our third step. Walk in integrity before God. Connect to God. Humble yourself and seek his face, get into his presence, and when you do, you will be changed and you'll begin walking in integrity. Listen to how our verse ends. It says this, for the people who are called by God's name will humble themselves and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their Land for you see, when we get into his presence, then we're changed in intercession. We draw near to him and we're changed in his presence. We see ourselves as God sees us, and we have the ability and the catalyst to change. That's what happened to the prophet Isaiah. Listen to what happened to him. He had a vision of God in Isaiah 6, and this was the reaction when he saw God high and lifted up. When he saw God in his glory, he said, Woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the Lord Almighty. A vision of God in the bright brilliance of his glory and light revealed to Isaiah who he was and what his looked like and what his people looked like. And God opened his eyes and he was able to change and you will find the power to change uh, when you seek God's face and come before him and begin to walk in his presence. He's calling us back to him. He's calling us to pray. He's calling us to turn our barrenness to bearing and our ridicule to revival. He he wants to bring us to himself and restore us he wants to show us his glory so that we can see him as an excellence and we will be changed and transformed for listen to second corinthians three eighteen, the bible says we who with unveiled faces all reflect the lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the lord who's the spirit and when you get in the presence of god and you seek the face of god and you see the glory of god the veil is lifted the curtain is torn you're transformed a supernatural power comes upon you the power of pornography is broken the power of adultery is broken the power of lying and cheating and stealing is broken one moment in his presence and you become transformed that's why true revival always results in integrity all through history the mark of true revival is that people changed people diverted from wicked ways and turned to the Lord there was a transformation in lives in churches in families in societies and in nations that's what happened uh, during the time of Charles Finney who is probably the greatest revivalist who ever lived. He lived between 1792 and 1875. He went around from town to town preaching the truth of God's word sparking revival. But it wasn't just the number of people he reached. It was the fact that the people he reached and the places he went to were utterly transformed. It is recorded that one town Finney went into after he preached and revival came. There were no crimes Committed in that town for five years. The police cells were empty because revival shook the place and people were transformed. Some places Finney went after the revival meetings ended, the beer parlors closed, the drinking spots closed. You could hear the sound of prayer in the factories, in the homes, in the school. People turned with all their hearts to God. And I pray to God Almighty today, may God give us a revival that changes our lifestyle. May God give us a revival that changes our nation. May God give us a revival that changes our society. May God grant us such a powerful revival that corruption ends in Ghana that criminality drops in Ghana, that the poor are cared for in Ghana, may we come back to Jesus and begin to look like him. For the fact is obedience is not optional. God says to you in Micah 6, 8, the Lord has shown you what is good. He has told you what he requires of you. You must treat people fairly. You must love others faithfully. And you must be very careful to live the way your God wants you to. It's not okay to have a side chick. It's not okay to watch pornography. It's not okay to take bribes. It's not okay to inflate contracts. It's not okay. God commands us to turn from these wicked ways and turn to him. That's what he's calling us to do today. He's calling us to seek his face and unite with him in such a powerful spiritual connection, in humility and repentance, that we are transformed. We begin to look like Jesus. We begin to act like Jesus. We begin to talk like Jesus. And people identify us with Jesus. When that happens, God promises to heal. God promises to restore. God promises to forgive your sin. God promises to bless our nation. God promises to bring us revival. So let's begin today. Let's take these practical steps to experience the power of revival. Identify with God and become people who look like Jesus. Intercede to God. Humble ourselves and seek his face walk in integrity, turn from your wicked ways, turn yourself to God. That's the path to revival. Would you stand together with me? We're going to take a few minutes and pray. You can pray standing, you can kneel, you can sit, you can come to the altar if you want. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you turn your heart to God right now. We're going to humble ourselves. God is tired of the games we're playing in church. God is tired of the religion where we dress up while we criticize other people and we worship Him as we're looking at others, condemning them. God is tired of the competition between preachers. God is tired of people who are cursing their enemies in the prayer camp. We should be praying for for our enemies to repent. God wants our hearts to be like his. So wherever you are, whoever you are, talk to God. Say, Lord, I humble myself. These are my sins. Forgive me. Connect me. I come back to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today, Lord. We pray you'll stir our hearts, Lord. Come on, let's pray. Everybody, open your mouth. Father, we know we've fallen short. We've sinned, Lord. We've been chasing answers, not chasing you, Lord. We've been playing at church. It's become a money-making business, oh God. We come because we want to see friends or show off our new dress. God, get us desperate for you. Turn our frustration into fruitfulness. Oh Lord, we come before you. We are your people, Lord. Let us be known by your name let us be known by your spirit let people say when I met her I felt like I met Jesus oh God change us we seek you today we humble ourselves there is nothing good in me only what you've done Lord you are my everything I can't preach I can't pray I can't do any good thing I can't live for you but your spirit is in me so I humble myself and I connect with you today God I need you I plead with you God Feel me Lord let me be a branch to your vine let me be connected to you today lord let your spirit flow in me let me talk like you and walk like you and act like you lord oh god let me be close to you i seek your face lord Lord, i seek your face i will stay at the altar i will stay lord till i burn with your fire lord help me help us lord help us lord Lord. forgive us lord jesus We turn from our wicked ways, Lord. Forgive us for lust. Forgive us for anger. Forgive us, Lord, for being weak on our knees and weak in our devotion. Forgive Forgive us, Lord. Turn us to you, Lord. Bring us revival. Forgive our sins. Heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.